Hey, everyone. Big news show again today. All our interviews just getting pushed to the end of the week because the news just keeps on coming. Uh, First, Jason chimes in with a little update on what happened with All In Podcast and why it appeared that there were ads on top of that feed. Uh, It is apparently a little bit of a hijacking situation, so Mm. we'll explain all the mechanics of that. Uh, He thanks the community for helping to solve the issue. And Google released their Q4 our results, and the full earnings for 2021. It's absolutely bonkers. It's absolutely nuts. And Molly and I debate, is this actually the best business ever? And we, and we deep dive and double click on the search revenue, the YouTube revenue. And uh, of course, uh, we're going to talk about what we teased yesterday, which is I'm going to tell the story of the great iPad troll of 2010. Uh, Molly remembers it uh, for when she was covering gadgets as well. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal-breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. 8 Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game-changer. Now you can add the Pod Pro cover to any mattress. Go to 8sleep.com slash twist to check out the Pod Pro cover and get $150 off at checkout. And gun.io, the simplest way for anyone to hire world-class developers expertly vetted for you by senior engineers. Get $250 off your first hire at gun.io slash twist. All right, everybody, in our first story today, just a little internal housekeeping, a bunch of you started DMing me that, hey, what's the story with All In having ads? As some of you know, All In famously, because Chamath Bandit has no ads. And the reason you're hearing me flustered right now is that that would have been $8 million in ads a year for that show, maybe five, six, seven, eight, of which I would have gotten 25%. <laughs> and now I'm not saying I wow. need a million dollars a year. But I'm not saying I would have turned it down either. And inside baseball, Molly, I said to the team, hey, let me sell three ads. I'll read them. Mm-hmm. No work for you. Mm-hmm. And you know what the dictator said to me? Still no. He said, we don't need the money. You know, if he ever bows out and you need someone to come in and take that million dollars a year, I just want to know I care for you. Yes. And I'm here for I you. I care about you too, Molly. And I care about a million dollars. I was like, he's like, and Chabot's like, we do we need the money and Sachs is like we don't need the money and then me and freeberg were like and you're like uh <laughs> so like the two guys with jets were like we don't need the money and then right. the two guys who were flying commercial were like ah and mm. you know look we all know need is relative but still <sighs> so. i was like million dollars six thousand dollars an hour for a private jet sweet card taxes it's very hundred dangerous. hours on a you know i'm your mom jet. it's so dangerous but that's why it was such a shock to get these tweets that were like, hey, you guys yes. take ads now? And Jason's like, buh, 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 buh. What, what, what? So I'm not closer anyway. to my private jet, so no. Exactly. And I'm like <laughs> literally like booking my JetBlue Mint. Although I have to say, Mint is, I don't know if you've yeah. taken JetBlue Mint. Oh, Don't, don't do private jets. So dangerous. So dangerous. And I was just reading yeah, about that. Like, Please keep the moneymaker going. Do not die, J-Cal. No, no skiing no, over 40 miles an hour, no okay. private jets. I literally am such a mom. I don't know when I turned into my actual grandma Pat right now, but I'm like, I hope you're being safe out there. Private jets are super dangerous. I just read about Payne Stewart and that horrible plane crash in 1999. Anyway, I'm sorry. Please continue. Well, Payne Stewart, wh- wh- they all fell asleep on the plane, right? They they lost oxygen and it they just They all flew like for turned three into hours. popsicles and then the, yeah. because they lost oxygen and then the plane just flew around until it crashed in South Dakota. 
Yeah. So anyway, that does not happen. Um, private jets are actually safer than if they're like the certain class I'm talking about. Helicopters are the ones I will not get on. Yeah, I no. took two helicopter flights in my life. Once I was on the Sony private one when I was in IT, I flew on the Sony private helicopter. And then another time when I was in Kauai on my honeymoon, we did like a no door, you know, crazy see the Nepali, Nep- is it Nepali coast? Nepali, yeah. Nepali coast with no doors. And the guy is literally, I, I-, I kid you not, I'm not saying he looked like a Vietnam vet. He was a Vietnam vet because <laughs> he told me and he was wearing that. just a leather vest, Molly. Nothing underneath it. Hmm. And the side of his helicopter, this is when I knew I had made a mistake. You're like, I'm going to die. The side of his helicopter has like an insignia that is also the same as on his vest, which has multiple insignias. And it has a skull with a sword through it and a snake coming out of the eye. I know this because I was kind of like, what, what's that? Why, why is there a uh, sword awesome. going through the skull's brain and the snake coming out of its eyes? Oh, yeah. You know, when we were Nam, we all had these things. We would draw them. There are no doors. And we put the seatbelts on and it's frayed. The seatbelts are kind of frayed. Mm-hmm. And we get up. There were the only two people in the thing. And he's like mm-hmm. showing my wife the Nepali coast. He's like, oh, Jake, Cal, let me show you. And he then, you know, tilts the helicopter like this and then just spins it around. He's like, oh, Jay, you can take a look now, too. And he's going back and forth. And we're, I feel myself, my wife, you know, uh, his weight is on me. She didn't weigh that much. but And I'm hanging out, looking at the pressure on the seatbelt and the 3,000 feet below me. I get back. Somebody's like, Jake, by the way, huge mistake. This is the most dangerous thing you ever do. You know about all the crashes. I'm like, no, I looked at the safety record. This perfect safety record. I should look it up. He goes, oh, in Hawaii, these things crash so often. They just shut the company down. They start a new company and they have zero crashes. Oh my God. And all the pilots and planes that are left o- or helicopters that are left over move over to the next thing. So if you look up helicopter crashes in Kauai, it is bonkers the number of people who have crashed. Two of them crashed into each other one time because if you've ever been to like Hanalei Bay or these places, you can see the helicopters going by every half hour, you know, of people going up to take these tours. Anyway, don't do it. Too dangerous. I've only been in a helicopter once, but I jumped out of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> was that on assignment or yeah it was for work it was for an episode of always on the show i used to see it where we were testing because you know remember that when the htc1 came out there was that yeah. commercial where they were like doing a photo shoot in midair it was like skydiving ah. and my crazy friend sarah was like hey i know some guys from gopro who sarah are on their Lane? stunt team no sarah harbin oh, okay um legendary producer sarah harbin yeah she was like I know I'm friends with the guys who are on the GoPro stunt team. And I think it would be awesome if we just tried to recreate this. And so then we were like, let's recreate it where we compare the in-air performance of the HTC one and the iPhone. So we did this like freaking bonkers skydiving trip, but then the GoPro, well, that was the GoPro influence is that those guys are so insane. They're like, yeah, we'll organize it all. Like we prefer to jump out of a helicopter because like the sensation of free fall is so intense, Hmm. which basically means like, Because you just at a standstill and you leap into the air and then I almost threw up. But it was a cool video. I'll find it okay. on YouTube and send it to you guys. So here's what happened with the all in feedback. Right. Right. It Ads. turns out that uh, people will take your feed and resubmit it. And I guess this was done with a company called Spreaker. And mm. uh, this guy explains it here if we blow it up. Um, and uh, I guess some clever person republished our feed to something called Spreaker. I've never heard of it before, but I guess they're like an 
anchor competitor. I guess they don't have safeguards in place at Spreaker. Um, no criticism, but how dare you? <laughs> and this guy explains it technically, but basically they res they resubmitted the feed and uh then inserted ads into it, and then I guess Google fell for it. That's and, what's so amazing. Although evident well, we'll get to that in a sec. And uh this guy explains the whole thing, and there's something happening with podcasting standards, which all these companies seem to want to break, but there is a standard for locking these. That's the one, yeah. So Libsyn, uh, which is like one of the OGs in this space, I guess has enabled locking recently. So we have to set our pods to lock them so that other people can't then after we put them out, do that. So anyway, it was like a pretty clever thing. And um I thank you to the audience who points these things out, but this is one of the problems that pe people, you know, take other people's content and then put ads around it. So I hate this kind of like hijacking of stuff. There were some other pod clips kind of company that I had to send a cease and desist to. These uh, yeah. people were like, hey, we're promoting your show. And I was like, no, you, you, you're taking every episode of This Week in Startups, Tim Ferriss's podcast and mine. You're programmatically or automating, actually, clipping it into 25 clips of four minutes each or whatever, three minutes each, putting a title on each one with some people in Manila who are like, obviously, because you can tell it's this is not English as a first language, like just bastardizing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then SEOing them and beating us at SEO. And I contact yep. him like, why are you bullying a startup? And I'm like, um, that's what they say. Why are you bullying a startup? I say, okay, I get <laughs> it. Like, good, not well played. But did you ask our permission before taking everything? He's like, we're promoting to you. And I'm like, are you? Because there's no links back to us. Right. And you did the whole show. I was like, uh, how about you can do one clip per episode and you put with permission and you link back. And they're like, we don't have the screen real estate to do that. And I was like, okay, now I know that you okay, well then just cease horrible. and also desist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So literally they wouldn't take it down. I'm talking and you know, I was talking to other high profile podcasters and I was like, wait a second, isn't there something you can do? And it was like, oh yeah, there's something called like a DMCA. And mm -hmm. I was like, wait a second. So I just like, can somebody send a DMCA to who's their provider? And then somebody on my team was like, oh, their provider is this person. And I was like, so just send a DMCA. We send the DMCA. Oh, suddenly all the clips get taken down. Yeah. It's like but it didn't have to be that way, man. Be fair. Fair use is being fair. So anyway. I mean, um, yeah, totally. I don't mind people taking, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I'm always flattered if somebody takes one of our clips and edits it as long as they do it in good faith mm -hmm. like if they try to misconstrue something like they did with chamath and they're like okay let's take two 20 seconds of a 40 minute discussion with no context maybe i'm not as cool with it but you know like people do some very creative stuff with our clips on uh, tiktok and other places and oh, I, don't for know sure. I mean i think our biggest presence on tiktok right now is a fan account basically Fan accounts doing better than we're doing all right, listen, when you're a founder, it's totally fun to trade war stories with other founders. And recently, Balloon CEO Amanda Greenberg, one of my awesome portfolio companies, told me how Vanta's SOC 2 solution helped her save an important deal in the final hours. I kid you not. Well, Balloon, they sell SaaS productivity and collaboration software. That's why I'm invested in it. And they needed 10 documents in place within 48 hours in order to close a deal. Well, Vanta saved the day by supplying customizable templates and helping them through the process to close. So if you don't have your SOC too tight, you know you're not going to be able to close those major customers. That's why Vanta's compliance software makes it so easy to get and renew your SOC 2. 
They continually test against technical and non-technical SOC 2 requirements, and they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And guess what? Vanta's going to give you $1,000 off your SOC 2 just because you listened to This Week in Startups. So here's how you get the $1,000 off. You go to Vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com slash T-W-I-S-T. That's Vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off. Thanks, Vanta. What I was going to say is I just think there's become this very interesting lack of, there's like a culture of no credit now on the mm-hmm. internet. When you look at, like you know, there are these incredibly, po- like, and I mean this with love. My son and I are obsessed with Daily Dose of Internet on YouTube, which is really just a guy who takes clips from other people, puts them in order, creates a very, you know, clever editing, creates a nice montage, but none of it is original content. I mean, it's literally like, here's a cat that likes to get its fat belly scratch. And then you watch it and then you laugh. And okay, I mean, I'm it's looking like, at it now. It's delightful. And none of it is his own Daily content. Daily Dose of Internet, 13 million subscribers. I mean, and, this, kid, uh, this kid's like making yeah. bank and he's great. I am not trying to call down, call in an airstrike on this kid. Like he is fantastic and he's probably making a ton of money. But just the idea of like, well, here's what I'll say. Aggregating and, and memes are fundamentally like lacking in IP. Like the whole conversation about IP and who memes owns what is really to shifting. me seem like no big deal because memes are uh, but you're uh, not yeah, a professional photographer either who makes money off of a photo that gets okay sure recreated um, ten thousand times and yeah if if it was a meme you took somebody's photo and then did a derivative work on it and you mm-hmm. were not trying to commercialize it and you weren't confusing the users that would be fair use right and so the fair use test is kind of like four parts and it's made so you have to interpret it so are the users confused are you impinging on the person's ability to do commerce in the world Mm-hmm. Are you creating a derivative work and, or doing some sort of commentary? And so in the case of this Daily Dose, I'm looking at it. He links to all the sources in the description. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which like, is, that's a good sign because he I probably sends some traffic. Literally, all I'm trying to say is I think that the Overton window for taking content has shift, shifted enough that I yes. think there probably is a sense from the people who are like taking those clips and monetizing them. They're just like, what? This is what you do now. Yeah. And then here's the thing. The frequency at which Daily Dose of Internet is doing it, if they're doing it every day mm-hmm. and it's becoming a business and they're putting ads on it, that changes things. So if there were no ads on this and he was linking to them, it would feel kind of fair, but he would still be impeding on their ability to do commerce. Because if you saw that viral clip there, that person's ability to sell it through Storyful, which is a company, I think, that sells right. viral clips would go down. So if only 10,000 people saw his show every day or their show every day, I think you said it's a hey. Um, if they only if only 10,000 people saw it, we'd be like, okay, well, there's not that much damage, whatever. But if you're going to get 10 million people to see it, and you're doing it every day, and it's monetized, he should be getting permission in advance. Yeah. I and, mean, and I, I mean, uh, but nobody on the internet, nobody on the internet is doing that. Now, that's what I'm saying. It's all, all the like, news channels do because they get sued. Of derivative works. Yeah. But, uh, but if you were to if you were CNET to do it, we would get permission. Exactly. ABC, it would be a whole permission. thing. Yeah. So everybody, you see this, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but somebody like is like, oh my God, my plane crash landed. And right. then you look at their replies and it's like, hi, I'm from CBS, you know, Arizona. Can we use this clip? DM me. Hey, I'm from this. And then there's one, hi, I'm from Storyful. Would you like to monetize this clip? Please DM me. Mm-hmm. And so now there is like a little bit of a standard. If you have a viral clip, there's like a company that will get you a hundred bucks every time somebody uses it. Yeah. But uh, long, long story short, uh, be fair, I guess it's like, 
the concept of fair use that I go by. Yeah. And we use people's clips here, but if you're doing commentary, you're protected. And it's the, oh, and also the percentage of the original work is another yeah, issue. Give credit. Give credit. Be fair and give credit. Right. When we did Kara Swisher interviewing Lena Khan, we're like, oh, here's Kara Swisher and Andrew Sorkin. Great get on CNBC. Yeah. Here's 60 seconds. We'll see you on the other side. That is actually the definition of fair use. The audience isn't confused of where it 100%. came from. Yeah. And it's commentary. Commentary is protected. You don't need permission if you're doing commentary. So you could take the book of Boba Fett last night, which was absolutely amazing. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. Don't tell me. I just, there's only seven spoilers. It's literally the most <laughs> spoiler filled episode ever. The number people of people were losing it on the internet last night. The I was number like, close. of cameos in last night's episode is greater than all cameos in Mandalorian and book of Boba Fett to date in three seasons or 2.7 seasons. Oh my God. If you're a Clone Wars fan, did you watch Clone Wars by chance? Uh, some the of anime it, yeah. series, yeah. Some of it. Uh -huh. So I watched that with my daughters because they got into Star Wars right. and they love Ashoka. She's like the great female Jedi now, she's and she's like such an amazing character. It's like literally top three Jedi for me. Um, and so spoiler, uh, so she's 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 back. Well, anyway, she's been in the other. She's been in the yeah, series. She's but in I just, the Mandalorian. She's in the Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and she may or may not make a cameo. But anyway, there's so many of these Clone Wars cameos in last night's episode that I literally was on Twitter trending topics at 105 after I watched it, clicking on every one of the cameras. This guy, Dave Filoni. I don't know how you do it, man. I was literally in bed at 9.02. Yeah, I sleep six hours a night. It's like, I, when I get to seven, I'm just like waking up looking at the ceiling. So I, oh, I, get, yeah, to, I no. get to bed at 1 a.m. Usually I get up at 8, 6.30 to 8 window. Usually listen to a podcast or something in bed, try to like rest my body, but. So when I'm skiing now, I actually do get uh, an extra hour of sleep. Oh, yeah. Because so you're super poopered. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm like right. a, I'm a sleep achiever. Okay, let's talk about Let's Google. go to our first God, story. We are just our second story. all over the place today. You can leave all that in, by the way. I think We're it's so a good excited discussion. to hang out is the thing. We're just Basically. excited to hang out. With all of you, too. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Danny Sullivan is now working at Google. He came to my rescue and immediately explained what happened. And so did those people at Speaker or Spreaker or whatever the heck it's called. And everybody was like very nice about it. And so thank you to everybody for helping figure out the mystery. Excellent. So yes, Google, as you can see, is so valuable to companies that it is worth stealing a little bit of content and uh, sneaking <laughs> some ads in because yep. they're killing it. Google reported earnings yesterday. The results were banana pants, like just utterly bonkers. Uh, we will get into those utterly bonkers results in a minute. But the other news about Google is that they also announced a 20 to 1 stock split, causing their stock to shoot up around 8% by midday Wednesday. All right. Do we want some bullets here before we dig into analysis? I think we need to know the, the numbers and then we can I start really doing do. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Google grew revenue 41% year over year from 2020 to 2021 to 257%. 41%. 41%. This is not a hyper growth startup. This is Google with, that a lot of people were saying, oh, Google's their business is going to slow down. There's too much ad competition from Facebook. Like I remember a year or a year and a half ago, people saying that Google might be on more of a, you know, I don't know, yeah. growth stock trajectory, not a like 41% year no, over no, no. year. Growth stock is like over 20, 30%, like a value stock. Maybe. I'm sorry, value like, stock trajectory. Like maybe yes. going under 20% or right. under 10%, like walmart or something i don't know sorry yes they would be yeah. like in blue chip territory not in hyper yes. territory yes so so that's when you insane. think about this like we'll be meeting with startups and you're like hey how much did you grow year over year and they're like oh we grew 50 percent. it's like oh 
you were 500k last year and now you're 750 like thousand dollars this is 41 percent 41 percent you know and the dollars by the way a quarter of a trillion dollars in revenue in 2021 257 billion dollars now if they make a dollar a click there's a lot of clicks Clicks. Two hundred fifty-seven billion clicks. I want. To. I think they make less than a dollar a click overall. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer, and according to Eight Sleep, over thirty percent of Americans struggle with their sleep, and temperature is one of the main reasons. And this is why, when I got an Eight Sleep, all of a sudden I was getting better sleep and making better decisions, and had better energy the next day because I could make it nice and crisp and cool when it was a hot night out, or if it was really cold out, I could make it nice and toasty warm. And Eight Sleep is offering a new product that's called the Pod Pro Cover. So if you've already got a mattress you're in love with. You don't need to throw it away. Now you can just buy the cover and still experience the magic of eight sleep. The Pod Pro cover is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. So you can add the cover to any mattress and the temperature of the cover will adjust to each side of the bed based upon your sleep stages, your biometrics and the bedroom temperature. And it reacts intelligently to create the optimal sleeping environment. The result, well, eight sleep users fell asleep up to 32% faster and it reduced sleep interruptions by up to 40 percent and basically you're going to get a restful sleep overall and so here's your call to action now you can add the pod pro cover to any mattress go to eightsleep.com slash twist to check out the pod pro cover and save 150 dollars off at checkout eightsleep.com slash twist i kind of want to skip ahead to where all that revenue is coming from we're gonna have to yeah. dig down in there let's and break just do it that let's a little do that bit. let's go right there that's a good there, yeah call. and then we can come back to the back of the back of the envelope math but yeah, yeah. so crazy we'll boat um, it later by comparison walmart's last 12 months of revenue was 570 billion dollars or four percent of growth all right let's dig into where is our specific result youtube had another blowout quarter so net income for google was 76 billion dollars up 2020 uh, in 2021 up 90 percent year over year wait, wait. standouts wait what was up 90 percent? net income net income okay got mm-hmm. it okay Cash YouTube, in the back. Yeah. blowout quarter, profits. profits, profits up 90%, profits up 90%. Bonkers. Who can say that? YouTube, $8.6 billion of ad revenue in Q4. That is a cool $900 million more than what Netflix did. And that is not even counting YouTube Red or YouTube Premium subscriptions. That's just plain old revenue growth. Search, I would love to know that number. What is YouTube Red's, you know, YouTube Premium's? Yeah. You know, do they have do they have a million? Do they have five million? Do they have ten? I pay for it. Do you pay for it? Uh no. We've been Pretty game changing debating you in our household whether we need to, because I'm like, I think we should pay for this. And my son, who sometimes is a forty year old man, is like, nah, I don't know if we watch it that they much. We have a family plan and like, uh, oh, okay. I'm paying for two different accounts and I'm gonna move to the family plan, I think, and try to get that set up. Oh, but there it's, it is. Uh, when you take the ads out, it changes the YouTube experience. Like I have YouTube up all day because it does seem like a lot of the mainstream media people who said, we're not going to put our content on there and build YouTube have mm-hmm. now acquiesced. So, you know, SNL, yep. you can yeah. basically watch the, the entire episode on YouTube. And they were the ones who sued for, remember, Lazy Sunday, whatever. And I think they sued. There's some fact, if I'm wrong. Or DMCA'd it at minimum. Digital yeah, Millennium and then ESPN now, like every ESPN clip, like I, I never watch ESPN except for the five times a day they talk about the Knicks and I watch those five clips. 
Yeah. And they clip them now. And then Bill Simmons, I saw, you know, I listened to his podcast, but now when he talks about a specific team and I DM'd him about it, I was like, this is really great. He's clipping. So Spotify's content is clipping their best moments and putting them onto YouTube to SEO them. So I think something has changed where people are just throwing up the white flag and saying, we have to be on YouTube or we're not culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. YouTube must have also figured out a rev share here. I mean, I think that, you know, for because it sort of stopped being a copyright conversation, thank God, and became a conversation about how does everybody make money? And I don't know if YouTube... 55%. Right. So if they're giving them 55%, they decided like, you know what? That's a nice little revenue stream. Turns out there's enough traffic. We'll do it. I think what these like ESPNs of the worlds or even new content like, you know, The Ringer, I think what they realized was we're not going to be culturally re- relevant. The 55% is a nice, you know, little piece of change. So we're going to have to be there. And, you know, maybe not all of our content, but we have to be there. And I think, mm-hmm. like, this is the thing with um, Joe Rogan, uh, back to Joe Rogan, or <laughs> to Joe Rogan. Like, he owned YouTube. And now I never see Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't understand what's going on there. It's the Spotify deals exclusive. Yeah, but Spotify is letting the ringer do stuff. So I don't know if Spotify has a philosophy. Um, Nick in real time is literally correcting us in the, this is amazing. He Nick, puts you some are content beast. on there. Real, not all Rogan of it, still though. puts content on YouTube, but maybe not all. Maybe it's like his Instagram. His episodes do? The, really? Oh, I thought, it was a, I thought the Spotify clips? deal was exclusive. I don't think he puts the whole show up, Nick. That that was like their whole deal. Somebody fact check us, but I'm looking at the, oh, also the JRE clips. If you go, there was this, uh, this is the official Joe Rogan Experience Clips channel, which is youtube.com slash JRE Clips. We started doing one of these. And I'm looking at the videos, and by uploads, he has not done one in a year. Yeah. So he's no, he's no, no longer that, doing JRE Clips. That's the whole deal with the Spotify deals, which, not to reopen that conversation, makes it so different from any other platform conversation is that it's exclusive, but also that, like, in a lot of ways, it's reducing. There was that big story about Gimlet and how what they were finding is that their traffic was just like, subscriptions are way down traffic overall is down because exclusives i mean this uh, really relates to this youtube conversation at all overall right exclusivity reduces audience and so espn and saturday Night live was like all of these smarter media companies who were like oh crap literally everyone is on youtube realized that trying to keep it this like weird little closed garden was just gonna mean fewer eyeballs and you you okay. could argue that in today's economy you can't out afford joe rogan's eyeballs. here's what joe rogan's doing yeah he's no longer doing the jre clips channel what he did is he moved clips from jre clips new clips to powerful jre <laughs> that's his other channel he's very powerful if you didn't know <laughs> um I'm changing my Twitter handle. Like too. I, I am biting my tongue so. I am changing <laughs> my. I think it's actually an affirmation for him, and I think it's cool. Like I'm changing mine to Bill. I'm changing my Twitter handle today to Billionaire Jacob, um, do just that. so we can get there. <laughs> you don't need to do I, that. You want to know one of the worst parts of my life is people dunking on me constantly, saying Billionaire Jason Calacanis says that, and then I open up my like accounts and I'm like. Nope, not yet. <laughs> so I'm hated like a billionaire without, without jet, even the zeros. Without even being there, without even the zeros. That's just wrong. That's just wrong, my friend. All right, let's just, keep going through the numbers. Let's keep going. So okay. anyway, if you look so at his- YouTube, obviously, juggernaut. Oh, can I just make one note? Oh, of course, He's yeah. doing three 
clips per episode. So, for example, he just had Jordan Peterson on, and he was talking about men and boys being, you know, if you're a boy and a man, you know, you're you got the short end of the stick today. Anyway, that's my Is Jordan, that your Peterson. Jordan Peterson. I'm, I'm more charming my Jordan Peterson. <laughs> oh my you god, Joe, that's just it, Joe. <laughs> Oh. I mean, women don't do hard labor, Molly. It's just an intellectual exploration of everyone else's inferiority. That's all it is. We're just asking questions <laughs> about why everybody Joe else Rogan. is so inferior. Women watching Joe Rogan is just like super IRL territory, isn't it? Like, you're just like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan. Why do you need such a big truck? Anyway. Mm. Uh, as yes. we let's let's continue with our uh, yes, our, back to our that. deep dive into w- all the places that Google is making all the money. So that sounded very impressive, right? That Google, that YouTube, eight point six billion dollars of ad revenue in Q four. It's thirty five billion dollars a year. Yeah, so it's a lot of money. How much do they give to creators? So do they give fifty five percent of all of that, or maybe less? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. I, I don't know. We should do, let's do that breakdown. But so. For those who Sorry. have had questions about the search business, you could probably put those away also. Search uh-huh. the core business, $43 billion in revenue in Q4, 35% year over year growth. So as a hyper growth, you know, situation, maybe not yeah. quite as impressive no, and still growth that anybody would die for. Yeah. And then that cloud business keeps growing five and a half billion dollars in revenue in Q4, 45% mm. year over year growth, yeah. which gets us to this question in our notes. Is Google the greatest business? Ever? That Are is they the what? best Freeberg, science guy Freeberg. Yeah. Uh, who I think is your favorite bestie. I, I'm not, not sure if, you know, taking me out of it. Um, I think I mean, he's your I, favorite. I, I can't pick a favorite child. I think he's your favorite bestie. Hiring software engineers can take a long time. It can take months in some cases, but gun.io is going to change that for you right now. They're a developer hiring platform. That's what they specialize in. And here's what makes them different. Their candidates are expertly vetted and matched to you by a team of senior engineers, not by an algorithm, not by a recruiter. No, Gun.io developers have eight plus years of experience building products like yours, like mine, and they're used to working directly with founders and executive teams. They know what it's like to work at a startup. So Gun.io can get you a candidate in as quickly as 48 hours. And the average time to hire is only two weeks. Most people take a little more time, right? 90 percent of the candidates are u.s based and they have a network of vetted international candidates as well if you're looking to hire from other markets or different time zones there are two ways to use gun.io one is you can work with a freelancer and enjoy gun.io's ongoing support services they'll handle the billing and swap out talent for free at any time or you can hire a remote developer directly from the gun.io network for half of a typical recruiter's fees i'm not kidding gun.io is the easiest way for startups to find and hire world-class developers so get 250 off your first hire at gun.io slash twist give it a shot report back tell me how it went gun.io slash twist anyway um he says that all the, the time it's best business because here let's look at this 250 billion dollars is a lot of money and at this growth rate which is 40 percent year over year in five years or no in 2026 they're going to basically be a trillion dollar revenue company I don't know many businesses that are anywhere near a trillion dollars. Like Walmart does $570 billion. But remember, they're selling goods and services. It's not software or a marketplace, you know? What is their margin? Like their margin is like, I'm thinking single digits, whereas Google's is, you know, incredible. Right. So 
you know, you're, you're going to, for somebody like Walmart or even Apple, which is tremendous, like they have great margins, obviously for a hardware company. That's what I was trying to selling phones and hardware. There's still a hard cost to get, make that in China and ship it here. Totally. Like that's the only comp I can even think of in terms of margins. And that's just because they charge so freaking much. Like I can't even, maybe Salesforce is comparable in terms of margin, but not. Well, margin, sure. But you know, then you're just, what does Google do with all this money? It's like Google is going to have so much money. Yeah. You know, they doubled their profits. So. If you're, if you're going to be throwing off that much cash flow and you're not allowed to buy things, are they going to start doing a dividend? Because you can't hire more people. You can't mm-hmm. possibly pay people more money than they get paid at Google. Right. So that's my question is, if we're not going to let them buy stuff, like what could, what would they, if you were there, right? Uh, and you were on the board, Molly, mm-hmm. and we we're having a discussion. And they said, listen, we need to spend $10 billion on something. Not buying it. We have to actually spend it. It's kind of like Brewster's Millions, if you remember that. Like, how do you spend $10 billion on something? Like, life extension is one of the other bets. Like, I, I, I have an idea. It's kind of a yeah. passion project of mine. Oh, what's that? Climate? Climate? You know what could use $10 billion? I mean, Solar? they have X, right? Mm. They have the other bets category. Yeah. And... This is so interesting because one, I talked to X, uh, I guess like almost three years ago now, maybe four, when I did this series on like, what is Silicon Valley doing to save the planet? Yeah. (laughs) And what was so interesting about X is that it had started as the moonshot factory, but in recent years has gotten super focused on returns and being profitable. And so they've killed a lot of cool businesses. And I can't even remember what I'm allowed to talk about, but there was one that was was like, oh my God. Right. Which was like the, um, blimps that were going to give, uh, Balloon were like permanent blimps or airplanes that were going to give internet access. I think low Earth orbit stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, so there, there was a like, lot of things they were playing with over there. There were way cooler projects that were like, oh, this will save the world, right? This would revolutionize yes. transportation. This would get rid of, I don't know, gasoline. And they killed them because they couldn't figure out a business model. So great, fine. If you need to make money, that's the right call. But if you are now Google, if you're Google now, and all of these industries, right? If you, somebody needs to figure out uh, direct carbon capture and storage, mm. X now, d- like take, uh, in, if I could sit on the board, I would say, you know what? Take the reins off X. Mm. Don't ask those businesses to make money. Just go ahead and yes. change the world. I mean, there, I always thought fiber was a really good one. And I actually talked to, I actually talked to Larry Page about it years ago. And I was like, I think that this is like, even if you lost money on this, like the way you could, change the world would be to just take your some percentage of your profits one percent two percent and just lose money on fiber forever because he was really jazzed up about google fiber and then they deprecated that so i think they were under pressure because of their stock to deprecate all those projects i think they you're right they now need to go back and say you know what let's do these crazy moonshots again yeah. and not look at profitability let's look at impact as an example google's google's nevada data center is going to be powered by, I'm reading a headline from 2020, uh, a billion dollar solar farm. And I think that they are building now the largest solar farms in the world. Like Google might be the largest solar, you know, um, the, the f- largest funder of solar in the world now. Mm-hmm. They are just going for it. So yeah, they're legitimately net zero, not net zero with offsets. Like they actually do fund so yes. much solar that they, I mean, 
Estimates say it would take to answer some of the skeptical noties um, who don't think that the climate crisis needs more money. I mean, first okay. of all, somebody did a study about nuclear fusion 10 years ago or so and determined that it would, you know, they were like, okay, if we put $9 billion a year toward fusion, we would have fusion in 10 years and then backed it out to yeah. as we reduce that investment, how long will it take? And they were like, oh, the world currently invests about a billion dollars a year in fusion, which is a fusion yeah. never plan. It means we'll always goof around. They're getting there on fusion, though. They, they, it seems like they've made. I'm seeing more investment in fusion and a little more progress. Absolutely. You know why? Because yeah. of that first part, we're seeing more investment. So there was yeah. one estimate that said it will take four and a half trillion dollars of investment to decarbonize the energy supply in the United States. What if Google took some of took, said to X, yeah. figure out microgrids, like figure yeah. out power decentralization, yeah. full stop, clean energy infrastructure. You've got three billion dollars. Go. You will definitely make money, but you reduce the the current much more ruthless approach that X has taken over the last few years. Like, I'm just saying they have the money. So, like, do it. Yeah. And, you know, like finding places to put these solar farms now is becoming part of the issue, right? So, like, you know, by airports, by nuclear power plants in the desert, around data centers that are in the desert. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're starting to figure out, like, with the solar stuff, the panels are so cheap. There's nuclear power plants around. There's nuclear power plant sites that have been mm -hmm. kind of like semi-approved, even though they're not building on them. Just build around them. This was, I think, Elon's idea. He tweeted it at some point. Like, well, if nobody wants to live near a nuclear power plant, put the solar there because you already got the grid going there. Right. Like all the grid cables are going there. So I think Google should, if they want to really be less hated because they have all this heat coming from regulators, just solve climate change. That, this is right? my message to our message to Google. I solve think now climate change. Just Dear Google, just, you're printing solve, money. Solve climate solve change. Climate change. What you, a legacy for Google to literally just start building solar farms. What if Google said to people, we'll put, what if Google did what Solar City was doing originally? And they said, hey, we'll put fiber to your house mm -hmm. and we'll put the solar on it and we'll partner with and batteries. You know, Tesla to put power walls right. and Tesla solar on there and like we'll fund it. We'll, we'll do the, um, the bonds, right? That could right. be actually something really cool. If they just took all this cash and said, all of our cash is going to go towards solar bonds, you know, we'll put the money up to, to buy the solar panels. Yep. Just go totally. for it, Google. Like, and we, if anybody, like, solar is in so many ways the one of the magical bullets for the energy transition, but we yep. need more efficient panels, right? Or yep. Google, go crazy on battery tech. Get totally. us the better battery. Like, it, it can be solved. I mean, it really like in so many will. ways a lot of its will it's and then will. will is related to capital so mm -hmm. the people with the capital have to have the will yeah well here's the thing if you are, have a money printing machine like apple and google and amazon now is starting to have a money printing machine and you're hated i look at this mm -hmm. as like the ultimate pr hack like if all these young people realize you're doing more to save the planet than the government and the government is moving slow and fighting with each other and yada yada and you know toxic yeah but capitalists are actually just doing it totally that to me is when capitalism becomes beautiful right and i'm obviously a capitalist i'm pro capitalism chosen career um capital allocator this is where i think capitalists can reflect deeply mm -hmm. about wealth disparity and say okay <laughs> we won google won Yep. Well, level that's okay. You could either say obscene or you could say unprecedented, however you want to frame it. But the reframing could be, you know what? 
we realize this is an insane amount of wealth. And with that great wealth comes great responsibility. And that responsibility we have chosen is to go build solar farms and invest in solar panels and the grid, et cetera. And on top of that, to be honest, it doesn't even have to be a do-gooder move, right? Like the total addressable market for climate solutions is the whole freaking planet for one thing. But also the risk, like the only existential risk these companies probably face at this point, and literally Facebook is seeing it, the water come closer to the door every day, is climate change. Emily Kirsch told us on the episode on Sunday that like there are predictions that we will lose 15% of global GDP Mm. by 2050 that's not grandparent territory and what if there's less people you know right like what if people decide to have less kids and you know that would be a shame and you know like we have and you have less customers this idea that like rich people want to see populations decline is like that's not in a company's best interest like growth comes from more consumers so yeah uh and they did the 20 to 1 stock split like i i never understood why stock splits make the stocks go up because nothing has changed except the psychology it's well, like can, but broker people can buy more though yeah but you can buy fractional shares now so yeah that's true so if i gave if, if you had a 20 dollar bill in your hand only on Robinhood, can't buy fractional shares everywhere okay well anyway, you can buy raw you can buy fractional shares on Robinhood, and i think some of the other services do it but if i gave common, you but yeah is it not that common i, I, I don't thought think that was so although anyway. my kid has a little account and he buys fractional shares he's very proud exactly. of his portfolio the next generation can do it i know but i mean if you have a 20 dollars bill in your hand and i replace it with 20 singles and you're like wow it weighs more and there's more of them and i can fan them out it's still the same amount i don't get it i think uh, affordability i mean just as a matter of psychology mm-hmm. affordability matters like oh if this is Definitely. cheaper now i'm gonna i'm gonna snap up some more of it yeah okay sure um, but it became know. 10% more expensive on that news. Yeah. But I guess there's CNBC was speculating that Google stock split might be them angling to get added to the Dow Jones industrial index. Wow. I don't even know what the qualification is to be on the Dow Jones, but okay. And why would uh, I wonder why they would want to be in the Dow versus the NASDAQ? They just yes. don't want to be considered a tech company anymore because reputation. I don't really know. I, I um, think it's a status thing, or maybe it means you're more blue chip. So people could feel more comfortable holding you. Maybe you know, holding yeah. the shares if you were like some big endowment or something. But IBM is, I guess, a candidate to be removed from the Dow in favor of Google Alphabet. I mean, I mean, ouch, but kind of though. Yeah. So if Google were to be added and IBM removed, according to our notes here, that would technically shift the sector weightings of the Dow. That could mean a longer evaluation process for the Dow committee, partly because the big obstacle for Google is that the Dow considers it a communications services company. What does that even mean? I mean, I they're not no making cell phones or they're not Verizon. I mean. Yeah. I mean, is it now like I just picture like the people who are on this board or like, you know, the people in Brewster's Millions who it are. It reminds me of the Oscars committee. It is like the Oscars committee or like the, no, the Golden Globes. What is that? The um, foreign press? Yeah, the, the Hollywood foreign press. The it's Hollywood like foreign the- press is just extraordinary. They're like, we have no diversity. And they're like, okay, well, we're not going to air the Golden Globes unless you change this in the next year or two. And then like, they're like, yeah, we still don't have any black people in the Hollywood foreign press. And you're like, what? How is that possible? Is that true? I I saw that headline. You gotta be trying. Because you're trying. I, it's like, you're either trying to not do it or you're not trying at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway. Um, no. If we keep on this route, I'm going to talk about the NFL. I do think it's interesting that tech only makes up 22.2% of the Dow right now, whereas communications services makes up uh. only 3 point seven percent of the dow which is the 
third smallest, the last tech company to join the Dow Index was Apple back in oh, okay. 2015. All right. Who cares? I mean, I, I, this this whole like designation means nothing. Those machinations. Me. Is, yeah. like, I, I just look at IBM growing four percent and Google growing forty one percent, and I guess it matters billion versus two hundred fifty seven billion. It's like okay. I suppose it matters to investors who buy indexes. So if you yeah. buy the Dow Jones Industrial Average, yeah. then presumably you would want a company like Google in there. Yeah. I mean, I Google is five times IBM's revenue. Yeah. With 10x, 10x its growth rate. I was about to say that. I was letting Molly, I was going to let Molly say that. <laughs> uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the same line of the document as you, Nick. I just, you, get, you really, you guys are, you have a mind meld. And I was thinking about poor IBM. Say yeah. this I mean, the stat. fact that IBM is still Not around and doing 57 billion is extraordinary. I mean, when was IBM founded in the 50s? I, I, I don't, I shouldn't know that off the top of my head. Oh, IBM yeah, before that, right? Because IBM was pretty instrumental in, I think, some wartime tech, if I am remembering 1911. correctly. Yeah. It really is that old? IBM, oh, I think, Lord. is betting the farm right now on quantum, and they're just hoping that they get there soon enough hmm. to stay alive. Yeah, wow, 1911. Yeah. Who knew? All right, what do we think? Do we have story, time for a story time with Jason? I mean, we did tease this yesterday. Yeah, we got to do it real quick. We got to do it. Let's whip All right, it. All right, so if you missed yesterday's show, here's the quick setup, which was that way back, it was the night before iPad announcement, January 26, 2010, which it was, God help me, 12 years ago now. <gasps> and Jason trolled everyone on Twitter by tweeting out fake specs about the iPad, and it resurfaced yesterday. After two days ago, after Octane AI CEO Matt Schlitt, uh, or Schlick tweeted about his involvement in the troll, J. Cal, remind us, first of all, remind us, like, for those who were not there, mm. because now, sure, Apple announcements are a big deal, and everybody mm. tweets about them for one day, but they've, they're, you know, it's sort of like a little Groundhog's Day. Oh, no pun intended, because I think today's Groundhog's Day. Ah. But it's like, it's the same thing over and over. But back then... An Apple announcement was like it was a big deal. Down. Well, this was Steve Jobs, and you got to remember, there was Steve Jobs' previous announcement was here's the iPhone. (laughs) So the amount of energy the world was watching this. This was a big deal. This is when tech in 2010 had kind of crossed over into pop culture. Yeah, and And iPad did not exist. The iPad did not exist. Yeah, and there was massive speculation. And developers were developing for it. So it was like the worst kept secret in Silicon Valley. And some people had been playing with it for, I think Walt Mossberg had said he had had it for a month or something. Yeah. Um, And then developers had been able to go to Apple, from my understanding, go to a room and put their software onto an iPad, test it, and then leave the room. But they had to write their software on their, you know, Macs, and then, you know, look at it on their desktop, and then they wanted to actually test it on the hardware. They had to go there and have somebody over their shoulder, et cetera. So, and, and the Steve Jobs was, you know, uh, quite the showman. So I was in bed and Twitter wasn't that old. This podcast, I think, was a year old because we had started in May of 2009. Yeah. And so I, I was kind of unknown. Um, although I think I did have 90,000 followers or 100,000 followers on known. Twitter. I mean, I Whatever. feel like another important piece of context here is the way that, like you just described, Apple did play favorites. And that did start yes. to irk a little bit. So I could imagine 2010 J. Cal yeah. being in bed like, oh, I didn't get to go to the secret room and play with this for a month. So well, how about this? Bur- there bur- was bur- a little bit about that because obviously I co-founded Engadget with Ryan Alvey and Peter Rojas and Ryan Block, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And, you know, during that time period, uh, 
we were, yeah, we weren't insiders, but Steve Jobs was aware of us. And, you know, they, we were in the room for these kind of keynotes, but I had sold it at that point. And so I was sitting in bed, I was using Twitter. I had my daughter was probably two or three months old at the time. Yeah. And uh, two months old at the time. And I just decided like, to pretend I had one. <laughs> and I thought it would be funny. Now you gotta remember Twitter was a chat room back then it wasn't Twitter today. There were no blue check marks. It was yeah. just a bunch of people goofing off. Um, and at one point, I was the number three user on Twitter. It was Scoble, oh, the Senator Obama. Was he a senator before he became president? When he was yes. in the, the, he was like Senator Obama and then me. Like literally 30,000, 20,000, 15,000 followers kind of situation. Um, very nascent. And so I started describing the tablet. Uh, and I'm like, oh, it's got a built-in HD tuner. And uh, a DVR. And it's amazing for newspapers and video conferencing is super stable, but nothing new. And it's got two cameras, one on the front and the back. The idea that it would have two cameras was crazy. It didn't get launched with cameras. And I was like, oh, it's got thumb pads on each side for mouse gestures and fingerprint security. This is long before they had touch ID. Mm -hmm. But I had heard about a company in um, Israel that was doing it. Um, so I just sort of added that. And I was like, yeah, and it's like basically like a Nintendo Wii level innovation and Farmville's insane. Because my friend was doing Farmville at the time, uh, Mark Pincus. And I was like, you know, you can connect the tablets and it makes like a Wi-Fi network for gaming. And, you know, I just was just crazy. But then I was like, you oh, were yeah, designing by the way, a perfect product, really. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, and by the way, the back is a solar panel and recharging, but it doesn't really work that quickly. And I just literally described something that was absolutely physically not possible. And then I decided I'm going to go to bed and people are telling me like, you're, you're full of it. No way. And of course, you know, some people are like, maybe. But overwhelmingly, the people on Twitter were like, this is not true. And I say, before I go to bed, uh -huh. I said to my wife, this like, is my know, favorite part is that that's all happening. And Jake was so like, so I said to my wife, like, yeah, I'll go to bed. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think it's a good idea. Like, Mark Pink is gonna be upset. Like, you, you probably shouldn't do that to Mark because we're, you know, we're good friends. Um, and uh, I said, I'm not joking. And the specs are real. We'll find out in a few hours. Because everybody was up late. I speculated. So I sleep in, I get up the next morning, my phone is melting with text messages and phone calls. I mean, I'm talking 100 phone calls. Hi, it's CNN. Hi, it's Wall Street Journal. Hi, it's the New York Times. Hey, Jake, how is this person? And while I'm looking at my phone, it rings, it's Pincus, and it's like, he's called me 10 times. And <laughs> Wall Street, everybody, what had happened was everybody picked it up. Of course. All the, journal, all the journalists picked it up. And then they all took their stories down because they were felt so stupid. And then I got lauded for like showing how little ethics the tech press had that they just ran with the story. And to be totally honest, people needed a story and they wanted the page views at that time. People were page view crazy. So they were like, they wrote, I think a lot of people in tech wrote the story because they wanted the page views. And it was a clickbaity story, even though they knew I didn't have it. Maybe. I mean, you did run a site that was the number one gadget site was the number one gadget site and got a lot of early scoops and you know was known to run with those scoops and sort of like yeah. fix it later like you did really sort of pioneer that model and so i'm sure yeah, that at down. least i'm sure those people publish thinking there's a 50 percent chance that this is true if it's true we can't miss it and also yes i mean i think this is around the time somebody asked me once like what my ideal CNET headline would be because for a very brief time, I was like the front door programmer. And I was like, oh, yeah, free naked iPod. Yeah. Like free, Speaking of free iPod, anything Apple, like yes, plus anything naked. Apple. 
anyway, so yes, obviously everybody went ape doodle over yes. this. And it was Jason crazy. Goes to bed, and then the best part is this update that's still up on the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Social games publisher Zynga tells Silicon Alley Insider that contrary to Mr. Calicanis' tweet, Mr. Zynga CEO my dad. Mark Pincus won't be appearing at the Apple launch. Now think about whether the iPad that he has yeah, invented. I said Pincus is going to kick off the thing with Jobs and do this. Oh, and Pincus is like, beautiful. dude, I'm trying to negotiate that exact thing. So then I was like, yeah. all right, well, I got to get some, you know, I got to get some more out of this. So I basically then gave away like 10 iPads for free. And I actually did. We did give those iPads away for free. We did a contest because I happened to own the Twitter handle contests and I was trying Amazing. to get followers for it. Yeah, it was pretty good. I, you know, I had taken down my entire Twitter archive at one point because it was just so crazy. And like, I was just like, let me just archive this thing so I don't get canceled because I don't know what debates I've had on here. So my tweets aren't up there anymore, but I do have the archive so I could pull them up. But there was no retweet function back right. then. So some of the tweets still exist because people have RT and then what I had. But yeah, oh, it's a bunch man. of people. Remember when we used to type RT? Oh, Yeah, cut and my, paste it, yeah. My favorite part, though, is just like the time machine of, of uh, outrage. Looking at this last tweet from Jared Earl saying, I have a different read on Jason. Jason may uh -oh. be laughing, but he's spent what little credibility he had. Fair. It's so fair. sad that that ended your entire career and in influence, fair. Jason. I, don't, I, I, I say to Jared, fair. That one uh, little But I mean, stunt. Jemima Kiss, who I've known for a long time, I got to uh, have breakfast her one time when I was, or maybe she interviewed me or something when I was in the UK. She's just a great journalist. She got at The it. Guardian. And she was like, you forgot the snack dispenser and the teleporter. Like, she got it immediately. She understood the like, assignment. She understood. She understood the assignment. Because really, it also was easily read and still is as a send up of the absolutely absurd speculation and hype around every single yes. Apple announcement. I mean, you cannot believe how many. That was what I was doing. How much ink was spilled over like, what is it going to be? And what is it going to have? And oh, my God, we got to like, we got to get all the clicks from talking about what that. I mean, it was beautiful satire. Yes. Whether that, you it was it that all satire for me. <laughs> it was for me, all satire. And this has been Storytime with Jason. There it is, Storytime. If you, if we, we can go into other crazy moments in my career, but that was a... Because th there are people literally who now have venture capital funds who were in set, <laughs> were in seventh grade when that happened. Um, and they now have venture capital funds and I'm co-investing alongside them. Amazing. Amazing. Hey guys, Rachel reporting here. On February 14th and 15th, we'll be hosting Founder University Intensive. This is a two-day program for founders. Now, this course is only open to women founders. We'll be hosting a course open to everyone on May 9th and 10th. You can apply for both at founder.university. And applications for the longer 12-week Founder University program are due on February 14th, and you can also apply for those at founder.university. Follow Jason and Molly on Twitter, at Jason and at Molly Wood. If you're not a boomer and prefer TikTok, search for This Week in Startups to find the fan account at this underscore week underscore in underscore startups and our official account at twi startups but honestly the fan account is way better than ours and if you're still not tired of hearing from jason six days a week you can hear him read his book angel at angelthebook.com slash audible